610 KONA. Welcome to the bottom, or excuse me, welcome to the locker room Saturday morning, 547 1610. If you would like to get involved in the show, thanks to Jason Hogue, agent with American Family Insurance, Crazy Moose Casino, Coyote Bob's Roadhouse Casino, for supporting the program. Got a lot on tap today. We're going to check in with Mike McDonald out at the Richland Regatta. But first, we are going to talk something the three of us happen to love, Philly Rob, Jason, Jonas with you, and that is baseball with our good friend from the Tri-City Dust Devils, General Manager Dara Lieber. Good morning to you, sir. Thanks for joining us. Philly Rob, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show again. Uh, we're we're uh, off and going here at Giza Stadium. You're not kidding, and I'll tell you what. Well, with the exception of maybe one or two nights, the weather's been absolutely gorgeous for baseball out there at the stadium. It has, yeah. We've had some unbelievable Tri City nights here. Um, you know, been really nice to not be sweating to death out here, 100 degrees yet. Uh, so hopefully, we hold that off and uh, get through a summer. Just the way it is, that'd be amazing. Now, before we dive in, Daryl, and talk about things going on right now, um, how pleased was the organization to see Fernando Tatis Jr. make his major league debut? You know, it's been really amazing, uh, not not just with Tatis, but with uh, all the young talent here with the Padres over the last four years. I mean, in four years, we've had 16 guys. Uh, we did a little comparison to the first four years with the Rockies, 01 to 04, and I think we had five that made it to the major league. So it's quite incredible to see uh, the fast progression these guys are making. I mean, it, it's a, a real um, uh, pretty big honor and really suits what everybody says about the Padres' um, minor league system that they're loaded. They are absolutely loaded, and this talent is really, really good. And, uh, you know, hopefully for them in a couple of years, it's it really pays off to get to the playoffs and go from there. But Tatis, when he was here, we only had him for a short time, uh, about a month. Him and Hudson Potts came at the same time, and I bet you'll see Potts in the big leagues in a couple of years as well, uh, if not sooner. But um, Tatis is just a special, special player. I mean, uh, you know, we're seeing it all now in the big leagues, and it was unfortunate he got that little injury. Uh, but now that he's back, I mean, he's performing again right away so it's pretty pretty awesome to have that uh you know and start to have some players that we can um really you know we're proud of everybody that makes it to the major leagues but you know he, he's a name that's going to be a household name for a long time and uh you know kind of even like charlie blackman um that we had years ago and is doing awesome now um it's pretty awesome you know we don't want to just be known for producing nfl super bowl quarterbacks you know Absolutely, no question. We play baseball around here. <laughs> We're talking with Daryl Ebert, the general manager of the Tri-City Dust Devils, here on the Locker Room News Radio 610 KONA. Daryl, uh, you know, it also goes to say a lot about the organizational structure in the Padres. Uh, you know, the coaches from from your level all the way up as how they're working with moving and progressing these players. Absolutely. I mean, they have a very um, good foundational philosophy um, that, that they work through from this level all the way up. And, you know, they really let the guys early on kind of figure out who they are. They don't don't get too involved. And then, you know, they just have a very structured program. I mean, everything from, 
nutrition to weights to throwing programs for pitchers and you know fundamental hitting things that are you know they have a certain approach to hitting a certain approach to pitching and that's from top to bottom and and they're really doing quite well developing these guys so daryl talk to us a little bit about this year's team um you know we know there's a couple of guys that have come back that have been on the team uh, over the last couple of seasons but you've got some new guys as well that are already uh generating quite a bit of interest from the fan base yeah, definitely. You know, each year you, you get a little bit of the old and, and a little bit of the new. Um, and by old, just meaning that they're, you know, already in the system. Uh, then you got to kind of mesh that with the new drafted kids. Uh, Matthew Acosta from USC, go Trojans, by the way, uh, <laughs> is, is fantastic. Um, he, he's off to a great start uh, and been really um, a key offensive piece and and in this league, I mean, you you got to have some of those guys. You, you you can't go one to nine and be, you know, not have a, at least a chunk of the order that you know can give you a quality at bat um, and, and be able to, you know, get on base and, and do some damage. You know, another guy that, that, that really goes under the radar that, that is here with us this year is Ilarasa. Uh, you know, he's batting 194, but, I mean, the dude gets on base like no other. He's got a – an OPS of 694 and, you know, his on-base percentage is 500. Like, it's just incredible. Uh, he, I think he might lead the league in walks. I haven't confirmed that, but, I mean, the guy's on base all the time. And that's just, at this level, that's really how you, you do well. Uh, get guys on base. Don't make a lot of uh, errors and mental mistakes in, on defense, which that's probably an area we got to kind of shore up and tighten up a little bit. Um but other than that, yeah, we're uh, we're mixing it pretty well. Uh, Spokane got off to a crazy start, uh, but they're kind of coming back to earth a little bit, and uh, we swept them up there, which was really nice. Uh, it's kind of like we're in the twilight zone. We we sweep Spokane, and then we come back home, and we have two guys hit home runs here last night. Like it's, it's like, what's going on here? Yeah, it's not, it's a rarity out at uh, Geese Stadium getting a couple of home runs out in out in one evening. But things are kind of pretty tight uh, in the division right now. Uh, Spokane, you mentioned they had that crazy start. They've got a three game lead over you guys right now. But you and Everett, uh, it's been a battle so far in the series that uh, you and the Aqua Sox have had so far this year. Definitely, I mean, in the, in the the first series it was pretty close. All those games were really close. I think we had two uh, games that went uh, extra innings, but. Uh, you know, last night was just a, quite honestly, a debacle of a game. I mean, you know, there were there were ten hits in allowed thirteen runs. Each team walked in a run. Um, it was just kind of a weird, weird night. Uh, so you kind of discount that and get that out of there. I think us and us and Everett are going to be a pretty close matchup all year long, um, and then just kind of see where Spokane falls. But my guess is, into the first half, we're going to be right in the thick of it. Dust Devils General Manager Darrell Lieber joining us here on the Locker Room News Radio 610 K1A. Hey, hey uh, Darrell, what's going on? This is Jason. Just r- real quick, talk about um, Felix Menares, if I, if I pronounce that right. He's having a really good start to the year. Um, he's struck out 18 in just 14 innings, 2-0, and got a pretty decent ERA. Talk a little bit about him and uh, um, and how he's, how he's doing this year and the rest of the pitching staff. Yeah, he, he is off to a good start, and really, you, you touched there, Jason, on strikeouts. Uh, you know, we are leading the league in, in strikeouts, um, and on pace to crush a record that we set a couple of years ago that 
I thought it was going to be really hard to, to break, quite honestly. But uh, we're, we're on pace to absolutely demolish that. So, uh, yeah, a lot of strikeouts uh, happening here. And, you know, in this league and kind of the way baseball is going, you know, the swing and miss isn't looked down upon uh, a whole lot anymore. So, um, you know, I think that's kind of expected to be seen a little bit. Uh, but Felix, yeah, is definitely off to a good start. He got into a little a little bit of a rough spot last night. Um, and I was up in Spokane and saw him pitch as well. You know, he'll he'll have a, a rough inning and then kind of get it back together. Um, and uh, it's impressive that he, that he can do that, get into a little jam, and then come back. And I think at one point in his last outing, not last night, but the, the one before, you know, he had a rough inning and then comes back and gets the next nine guys in a row. So, yeah, he, he's definitely got some stuff. He was a non-drafted free agent, which is also something that's um, impressive. He was last year, uh, so in his second year of pro ball, and uh, you know he, he's kind of figuring it out and putting it together. We're talking with Daryl Ebert, general manager of the Tri-City Dust Devils here in the locker room, News Radio 610 KONA. Daryl, for those that, that have only caught maybe a couple of games out of Keysa Stadium or, or those that are thinking about coming out haven't uh, haven't made it out so far, when you're watching these players – what, over the course of your career um, at this level of baseball, and you've been at it for a long time now, who has the biggest difficulty in transitioning? Is it pitchers or is it hitters? Because we know the bat's a little bit different um, in the Northwest League. If I remember correctly, it's the composite, composite bat, bat, correct? Yeah, so now it's full wood, just like you're using in the in the major leagues at our level here, but... But the, they're usually in college or in the summer wood bat leagues. They use the composites a little bit. Um, so I'll try to back up. You know, when I first started, the transition was really hard because a lot of guys weren't using any sort of wood bat or composite bat at all. And then they they get into um, this level, and that's a huge adjustment. But now with the summer leagues going on, like the Walla Walla Suites and the the West Coast League and what they what they're doing and all over the country, those leagues are providing a lot more opportunities for guys to get at bats that that are with wood or with some sort of composite wood bat, uh, in, in uh, being able to to transition a little easier to that. Um, and then on the pitching side, I mean the pitching side for me, and and a little bit with the hitting facing the pitchers, uh, but really the reality of Wherever you are, small small school somewhere, or even in a Division One program, you know you are typically when you get drafted out of one of those colleges, one of those programs, you're the best of the best in that conference, on that team, so on. Well, now you get put in with the best of the best all over the country and get it all together. That's a transition. I mean, you know, guys are making less and less mistakes all of a sudden. Whereas, you know, you, you face a guy in college, you, you might get the best guy on a Friday or Saturday, but, you know, somewhere else you're facing not the best and he makes a mistake and you're, you capitalize. Um, and that just doesn't happen as much here. Tonight, out of Keisha Stadium, Dust Devils and Everett Aqua Sox are going to mix it up one more time. Uh, Daryl, before we let you go, we know one of the big things around minor league baseball is the entertainment aspect. The giveaways, the promotional nights. Minor League Baseball has built 
a tradition on on bringing more than just the game, but also the show and the entertainment value to the fans. Uh, what are some of the things that you'd like to highlight out at Geese Stadium this year for fans to take in? Yeah, you know, tonight specifically, we got fireworks after the game. Um, you know, certainly a fan favorite. One of the kind of cool pieces, uh, we did a couple of really significant improvements at the ballpark this year. Uh, replaced some of our seats, and and then the other one was we went to LED lights. Um, so now, not not only do we get fireworks, but we also do a little bit of a light show before as we're counting down to the fireworks, and it's pretty neat. These LED lights are incredible, absolutely incredible, and they. You know, the, probably the best thing about them is when you turn them off for the fireworks, fireworks go off. When you're done, you can actually turn the lights right back on instead of having to wait 15 minutes for them to cool down and come back on and, and all that. So a safety piece of it as well is pretty pretty awesome. But uh, And then throughout the rest of the year, we definitely got some giveaways uh, later on. Uh, July 19th will, will be a significant one with uh, Russell Wilson bobblehead night. Uh, so definitely that will be a, a pretty popular one out here. Uh, our hat giveaway, baseball card giveaways, some of the staples. Uh, we've also launched, launched, and uh, with a lot of help from your sister station, KZHR, uh, we've had a lot of uh, good success with our Vineros de Tri-City uh, launch uh, where we rebranded the team for three nights this year. Uh, so those are happening. We had our first one. Uh, June 20th, and then we go again July 18th and August 22nd. Um, it's been a, it's been an awesome experience to see our local Hispanic community really take it, take ownership of that team um, and, and be a part of that. So that's been pretty awesome as well. Darrell Lieber, general manager of the Tri City Dust Devils. Thanks for taking the time this morning to join us. Appreciate it. And of course, uh, best of luck across the season. We'll talk to you again before it's all said and done, sir. Absolutely. Rob, Jason, thank you very much. Always an honor to be on the program. All right. And go win tonight, all right? You got it, just for you. Thank you. Darrell Lieber with the Tri City Dust Devils joining the program. We're going to take the time out. We'll let the general manager get back to his busy, busy game day. We come back, we're going to talk with Mike McDonald, who is out at, in Richland, Howard Amon Park, the Richland Regatta going on this weekend, which kind of come to be known as the primer before the boat races, get people in that mood. We'll talk with Mike and find out what's going on out at Howard Amon Park, the Richland Regatta, in the locker room, News Radio 610 KONA. In the locker room, News Radio 610-KONA. It is Saturday morning, 547-1610. If you would like to get involved in the program, right now we are going to go out to Howard Amon Park in Richland with Mike McDonald, who is out there for the Richland Regatta. Good morning, Mike. How are things going out there with the boats? You know, the, the biggest move for this event, Rob, was to move it later into the month of June. Why? Because earlier in June, river conditions are higher uh, more debris in the water, and they had problems with wind for the last three years. We don't have any wind. I mean, the conditions couldn't be more perfect. Yesterday was a banner day, and uh, this morning is shaping up even better. So far, in the two-and-a-half liter, it's just been a runaway with Austin Ecrit in the 36 green and silver boat. Uh, great challenge earlier in his race that we saw out there with Jason Oslockson, the 77. But on the final lap, Rob, 
in turn number one, Oz Lawson lost power and ended up getting uh, an electrical fire in the engine compartment. So it was kind of a, a quick rush for the rescue crews. And uh, thank goodness they're here. They're all volunteers, and they put in full days throughout the entire event here at Howard Amon Park. They put it out immediately. So three heat wins so far for Austin Eker, and that's pretty amazing. Uh, out of Kennewick, Washington, John Culver in the specialty mobility one-liter boat had a victory yesterday, and we're looking for the one-liters to come out here in just a few minutes. And also another local racer in the sportsman entry, these are the flat-bottom boats, Rob. It's uh, Brandon Cushing out of Pasco, and so far he has two heat victories. The racing's free. That's the best part. If you want to get the pit pass, it's 10 bucks. But a little bit later, there's an opportunity to uh, have a party in the pits after racing today, thanks to Griggs Ace Hardware. Meet the drivers, get photos, uh, and, and just have a good time after the racing concludes here at Howard Amon Park today. And then a full day of racing again tomorrow. Free parking, you can say that, but there's not a whole lot available by the park. So plan on parking back in the city and, and taking a little bit of walk. Uh, we've had reports, and we want to thank all of our sponsors that bring the action to you on News Radio 610KONA and 610KONA.com, like the Clover Island Inn, Sun Pacific Energy, their new Shell Sun Market. It's in Kennewick at the end of Clearwater at Interstate 82, along with Jiffy Car Wash, Griggs Ace Hardware, Kennewick Dental, the Port of Pasco, All Doors Incorporated. And we're just having a great time down at the park. Now, Mike, for those that, that have heard of the Richland Regatta but haven't had the opportunity to make it down there, what is what are the biggest distinctions between the Regatta and the the high the unlimiteds when they come for uh, the Tri City Water Follies next month? Well, you know, we talk so much about the Water Follies and, and what a great location that is uh, with Columbia Park in Kennewick and then the Pasco Shoreline. This is just a completely different feel. That's a two and a half mile oval it's one of the largest courses that there is on the h1 unlimited circuits so this obviously we don't have the unlimited they're in guntersville alabama and we know that jimmy shane was the fastest qualifier in the home street at 162 and change earlier today uh but this course here at richland and howard amon park robs a mile and so it's a smaller course you get the one liters you get the five liter boats we have the vintage class of hydroplanes there are four of those and then the sportsman's entry, and those are the flat-bottom boats, and that's something that we just don't see a whole lot of. And it's amazing to see how they navigate through the one-mile course. The, the turning ability on those boats is amazing, but, again, it's an open cockpit, and anything can happen. So for those that uh, you mentioned there's full day of racing tomorrow, there's still a few hours of racing in front of us today. Oh. Uh, what's still to come this afternoon? Every classification of boats will be out on the course. Plus, you'll have a chance to see uh, one of the uh, Sportsman's Entry modified boats, and it's the fastest boat that is here. And it's a fully blown, supercharged, flat-bottom boat, and it's amazing to watch. So there'll be one-liter racing, two-and-a-half-liter, five-liter. We'll see more of the flat-bottom boats. Uh, we've got full racing through the afternoon until about 5 o'clock. And then tomorrow going until what time, Mike? Uh, we'll start with racing at 10, and it should wrap up around 4, 4.30. Fantastic. Mike McDonald out at Howard Amon Park in Richland for the Richland Regatta this weekend. Thanks for the updates, Mike, and we'll be looking forward to those updates throughout the rest of today and tomorrow here on News Radio 610 KONA. And Mike McDonald will be giving us those reports throughout today and tomorrow. 
We're going to take a quick time out. Come back with more in the locker room. News Radio 610 KONA. Thanks to Jason Hogue, agent with American Family Insurance, Coyote Bob's Roadhouse Casino, Crazy Moose Casino. Back to talk some baseball. All-star teams have been announced. I don't know about these guys, but I'm not really a big fan of the new all-star selection system. But then again, I wasn't a big fan of the old all-star selection system either. We'll talk about the all-stars as well. And believe it or not, (laughs) we're just over a month away from football. (laughs) Granted, it's preseason. We're just a month away from football. Back with more of the locker room next. Welcome back to the locker room. News Radio 610 KONA. 547-1610. If you would like to get involved, Philly Rob, Jason Jonas with you. Thanks to... Crazy Moose Casino, Coyote Bob's Roadhouse Casino, Jason Hogan with American Family Insurance. So, guys, a quick A-side. The Yankees and the Red Sox are playing a series in London. The NFL's been doing this for almost a decade now. Major League Baseball thinking they're going to capitalize on some European audience, or is this just kind of a dart thrown across the pond to see if there is any interest in Major League Baseball in England? Because to me, honestly, this really isn't making a lot of sense to me. I've never heard of an overwhelming desire for Major League Baseball in Europe. I, and and I know you watch, yeah. You know English news all the time, yeah. To know that, but anyway, for, for the soccer for the soccer highlights, basically, right now it's cricket scores, not baseball scores. Rob Rob needs the soccer highlights. This is a trying to baseball right now is trying to become a more global game. Um, they're in Asia very well, right? There's lots of baseball being played in Asia. Um, every every Latin country that exists, Latin America, baseball's huge. Latin America, it's pretty good. It's pretty good size in, in northern Latin America. Like yeah, um, and in the, in the Caribbean, it's a big deal. But it's not really got into Europe a whole heck of a lot. Um, soccer right now, the so- like the, like soccer is the global game, correct? And this little um, English Premier League in this small little country, you know, this little England in Great Britain. They're, they're the, the, their franchises are worth the most money. Why is that? Because they get the best players. They play the world's game. There's just way more money in globalizing the game. So I don't know that this is a hey, we're going to have a uh, um, we're going to we're going to go over to England and try to have a franchise or anything. Or I think they're just trying to globalize the game. They want their stars to be bigger names so they can make more money. Baseball has a problem right now because the best players in the game and the biggest stars. Nobody knows who they are. Like I don't think Mike Trout, who's the who's by far the best player in baseball, yeah, hands down, and has been for a, a while since he's come up. He's Mickey Mantle or bigger or better, but no, very few people knows know who he is. If you were to ask a layman person who doesn't watch sports, who the who um, LeBron James is, they all know who LeBron James is. 
If you ask them who's Tom Brady, they all know who Tom Brady is. These are the top players in all their sports. And they could probably name maybe the top 10 or 15 in NFL or NBA players. And then they can name the guys on their team. If you ask these same people who Mike Trout is, they might recognize the name, but if you showed them a picture of Mike Trout in a, in a lineup, they may not know who he is. So baseball's trying to get the game more global. They're trying to have other avenues for more revenue because there's a lot of money to be made in baseball globally through TV, TV money and barnstorming tours. Like right now, a lot of NBA players are over in Asia promoting NBA. NBA is huge worldwide. That's how the one of the ways NBA makes so much dang money. And and the 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 sponsorships and that the players get or the endorsements because they send them on tours of Asia and they send them on tours of Europe so they can sell their Nikes and their Adidas and their Under Armour products through the game of basketball and through these stars because everybody knows who they are. You know, the interesting thing to me, guys, is they keep going back to London and then they keep going back every once in a while with the NFL to Mexico City. I don't know if I'd be shocked, especially with the globalization that Jason was talking about and getting these stars bigger. I don't know if I'd be shocked here in five or ten years seeing a franchise in one of these uh, locations. The problem is there's no stadiums overseas. Did you guys see where they were playing today? The foul ground in the soccer stadium. They built a baseball stadium in the soccer stadium. The foul ground is amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of foul ground. Amazing. It's, it's, the down the, the lines is not bad. It's three thirty. It's it, three eighty to dead center field, though, my friend. Field. So it's going to be a short porch to center, but. You know, most of the, I mean, these are this is Boston and New York, so they're used to having three fifteen down the line. Um, so center field is going to be a little shorter, but but these these weren't large ballparks. Did that you notice Rick in. Porcello got chased after the second inning? It was six to three. There is a lot of offense going on there. I don't know what the score is right now, but it was definitely an offensive ball game. But it should be with those short fences. Five four seven one six ten. If you'd like to get involved in the program, it is six to six right now in the bottom of the second. In the bottom of the second. And it, the, it looks like the Red Sox have the bases loaded. So uh, I, I haven't, I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen the layout of the stadium, so I don't know if it's a short porch festival. Yeah, yeah it's, it, well, it's 330 down the lines, but it only oh, gets gosh. to 380. 380 in dead center field. To dead center. So your power alleys, you're probably in the 350, 360 So, so range it's a wiffle the ball park. It could be, <laughs> yeah. And, and it, to Jonas's point, with all that foul ground, um, you would think it might be a little bit of a pitcher's park, but if you can just, I mean, 385 to center's not much. That's, that's no, not that's much. nothing. That's, that's not much. That's, that's not nothing. even a warning track shot. Rob, they announced no. this morning that there was, I, 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 I can't remember the footage exactly, but more than the Oakland Coliseum, and it was by a long way. It was the foul grounds. Oh, it was wow. by a long way. Now, now foul ground, okay, fine. I, help, I, I, I get pictures, that. Actually. Yeah, but if you keep it, I mean... Jeez, oh man, the ERAs coming out of this game are going to have to be adjusted. Yeah, yeah, the pitchers are not, you know, and plus it's a basically, um, it's an. I mean, because like all the soccer stadiums over there are basically indoor stadiums, absolutely, um, because of the weather in England. So it, the, you know, the the ball is going to be jumping um, again. Uh, uh, if you're if you're hitting at three fifty to the three sixty to the power alleys, which is a not that much of a poke. You're probably putting it over the fence. The big problem with with even thinking about taking it overseas, besides the normal travel issues, is you got stadiums to build. They have soccer stadiums over there, which I know the soccer translated decently to football, but how does it translate to baseball? That's going to be your big issue. Is nobody say then? Now I know in Mexico they're prepared. They do have baseball stadiums and everything, and of course Japan. But you try Europe. 
there's just not any dedicated baseball stadiums over there. Well, and again, I don't think this is necessarily to, to this is to promote the game of baseball and make their stars bigger. Because you, you, I mean, how many people remember thirty years ago? They did not bring soccer matches over here. Soccer was not that. It's a very big deal now in the U.S. The friendlies sell out every time. Yes, you're absolutely they, right. Right. You'll have two random Spanish league teams play in Middle America, and it sells out fifty, sixty thousand people. It, it didn't. That didn't happen years and years and years ago. But with the internet and with the, the globalization of our communication, where we can interact, we can see things on YouTube. People in Europe can buy the MLB package. This is all about expanding the game to grow revenue and, you know, do things. Will this turn into maybe there's a little baseball league over there? Sure. Maybe. I don't think that's the goal is to actually have Major League Baseball in those, like, on a short-term basis. Maybe 50 years from now, maybe. Just like there wasn't a soccer league here 30 years ago. There is now. But um, if you want to grow your game and grow revenue sources, it's just like any company. Apple doesn't just sell iPhones to Americans. They sell out iPhones all over the world, and they make a boatload of money doing it. That's all baseball wants to do. NBA's already tapped into it. NFL's been trying like heck to try to to globalize football a little bit um, and go into different markets. So it's it's they're trying to grow the game, sell jerseys. You can sell jerseys in China too. You know the one the one sport that's been globalized longer than all of them is hockey, and it's it's because. The difference between the the globalization and, and people probably asking, well, then how come? Why isn't it more popular? Because the globalization of hockey started as regional, because every country has their own league, and every country has their own all stars and their own elite teams and everything else. And while the NHL is over here in America and Canada. You've had the Russian elite leagues, the Swiss elite leagues, and the Czech elite leagues, and and all these other countries, because the Olympics was always the showcase for global hockey. That was always the showcase. And people talked about European countries with hockey, much like you hear the talk about the soccer teams in the World Cup. You know, Finland and Sweden and Russia and everybody in the Czechs are coming in and Germany. You've got you have got hockey teams everywhere on the globe. And but their approach to it, it was never the NHL reaching out and expanding because there was a vacuum somewhere. There's not a vacuum for hockey. There's a vacuum for American baseball. Because it doesn't exist well, in these places. Not just that baseball does exist at lower levels across the country. The, no, the difference is, is we live in a world globally. Right, right, but we live in a world right now where anybody sitting in any town in Germany can access every single American TV show, every American sporting event, everything that's going on. That did not, and they can have access to order jerseys. If you go back into the fifties, sixties, that wasn't a thing. They were getting. The suit, the, they, they could maybe watch a big game, but now you can get it instantly. Right. Instantly. But what I'm saying is that sports that already have achieved that, that already have that globalization, aren't seeing the same type, aren't going to see the same type of kick that Major League Baseball is attempting to get because there is a vacuum in Europe for the type of baseball that we play. There was a vacuum in Europe for American football. 10, 15 years ago, um, 
basketball has basketball probably globalized 25 years ago when the leagues over in Europe started to become popular mid to late 80s I, I mean yeah. there were players there yeah. were there were but there were players that were going over there in the 70s and yeah, playing I mean, you, in you, Europe well, and, and moving their and, way and over and watched like cuz before we always sent college kids to the Olympics if you go and watch the dream team back in like 92 and the way they just dominated the world right won by an average of 30 that doesn't we don't win by 30 or 40 points in gold medal games anymore no because the world has caught up with the skill B- level but remember everybody forgets Kobe Bryant grew up in Italy he did. His dad played professional basketball. Because his dad played pro basketball over there. So we've had basketball players from this country going and playing in different countries in China. You know, before Yao Ming came over here, there were American basketball players playing in China. So, you know, that that sport globalized after hockey did, and the, US, and the dream team just kind of put Sterno underneath of it and, and right. set it the, on the, fire. Those highlights went worldwide. Right. And um, and it, there was a hunger for these personalities, these players, um, oh, you know, across the world. And I think baseball's trying to do something similar where they want to get interest drummed up in different pockets of the world. To I, th- I think it's a revenue play, and I think it's also a long-term viability play. Because um, right now, and this is, this is another topic for another time, but I'll just hit on it, is right now a lot of sports – outside of football in America are getting to the point where they're country club sports. It costs a lot of money to be really good at baseball. Very rarely does baseball go find a kid that's an athlete and give him the skill set because you've got to pay for the private coaching, you've got to pay for this, you've got to pay for that. Even football, you have that. Well, football, not to extend, because ultimately, if you're you've fast... You've got elite camps, and you've got all you these do, other things. You do, but kids get invited, and they're put on by the shoe companies. It's the same thing in basketball. Yeah. So basketball and, and football are still like, hey, the, the, the shoe companies are going and, and grabbing people and saying, hey, you're really good, come learn. Baseball is not that way. Women's sports are not that way yet. So we... So you, if you want to get the like part of the reason Latin American are the best in baseball right now in many cases not always but in many cases is because you're getting those kids that grew up poor but there's can't but they're teaching them baseball they're playing at the lowest levels and many times some of your best athletes are not coming from upper middle class families they're I mean if you look at soccer worldwide it's a all you need is a ball to play soccer in a field. You don't need a ton of money. And some of the best players in the world did not come from the way we do soccer here, the way we do baseball here, No, in in that you've got to be on the travel teams, you've got to do all this, that, and the other. So baseball needs to go other places to to find players because there's less and less American kids involved in baseball because they frankly can't afford it. Well, and, and the other thing, too, I mean, we know that soccer is so popular in some countries, they tear gas the crowds, so... Uh, let's see if it gets to that level. And, you know, we've had some countries shoot their goaltenders. Uh, so, we'll, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll hope baseball maybe maybe probably won't achieve that level of popularity in, in some countries. Back in the locker room, final few minutes here on your Saturday morning. News Radio 610 K1A, 547-1610 if you'd like to get involved. Thanks to the Crazy Moose Casino, Coyote Bob's Roadhouse Casino, Jason Hogue, agent of American Family Insurance. So, I, I've got to say from a personal perspective, 
and and we all we all have our we all have our moments of homerdom. Um, I would like to I would like to trade everyone in the Phillies bullpen for some cups, some athletic socks, and maybe a few pairs of underwear. Jerry Depoto may make that trade with you, Rob. He, you know what? It's okay. Can we? Because I I am so thoroughly disgusted with their bullpen. The other day, Wait Aaron, a minute, what about your twenty five million dollar a year boat anchor sitting he, over there hitting two forty seven, leading a National he, League in strikeouts? He doesn't pitch. Um, he hits a home run in the sixth inning to give the Phillies a one nothing lead. Aaron Nola pitches an absolute gem, his best outing of the season. Goes seven innings, gives up one hit, ten strikeouts, and Hector can't keep the ball in the ballpark. Neris, who is supposed to be a closer, he's actually a rag arm masquerading as a closer because Gabe Kapler can't manage his way out of a paper bag with both sides open and a hole in the top. Keeps Hector brings Hector Neris into this game instead of anyone else on the face of the planet. And what does Neris do? Yaks it up in the top of the ninth inning. Now, fortunately for the Phillies, fortunately, the Mets really are that bad. (laughs) And they are M-E-S-S, mess, mess, mess. And... In the bottom, of the, the Phillies are down three to one. Okay, but before after the you top bef- of the ninth inning, hang on. After the top of the ninth inning, the Phillies are down three to one. They tie it three to three, and then Gene, I forgot how to hustle, Segura gets up to the plate, hits a three-run jack, and the Phillies win six to three. Okay, stop, stop right there, and Rob. Mickey Callaway, that's it. The Mets manager has a has a. Lee Elia type meltdown. Oh, no, this, this wasn't Lee Elia. Jim Morris Sr. was proud of this explosion. You, you, this you was don't incredible. Remember Lee Elia then, do you? I, I remember it when he exploded, but you remember when Jim Morris Sr. was screaming playoffs. The, yeah. the thing. Lee Elia was screaming profanities in the this, Cubs dugout. If you, have you seen the video? I haven't seen Rob, the video. Rob, I think with the words that we can't say on radio, it went over 50 in the first 30 seconds. Okay. And the greatest quote that came out of his mouth is, I have the best closer in baseball, or at least that's what they told me when I traded for him. That was absolutely amazing. Gene Segura, who in the, and then we can't use those words, is Gene Segura hitting it <laughs> off the, wait a minute, best closer in baseball, or at least that's what they told me. Well, but what, what no. Nobody told Mickey Calloway was they used to be teammates. It was who used to be teammates? Segura and oh, Diaz. absolutely. They absolutely. were teammates. So Segura saw him pitch 182 days a year. This, if you guys have a chance, go YouTube his explosion. It was it, it was priceless. Absolutely amazing. But Rob, you need to watch his apology the day later. The apology was even better. So now that I got that off my chest, I want to switch gears because that was therapeutic. I guess. That was. Hey, Rob, Rob feels like better. Your shoulders Rob are better. Rob feels it better. Tense. It, 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 I, I don't think good. I, yeah, I don't think uh, a masseuse could have done what, what that just had to release all that tension. Yeah, it was, it, it was good. I needed, I needed to get that out. But one of the things I want to switch gears on, and it is something that, that, that I remember uh, very, very well. And um, Jason, I knew you remember very well. 36 years ago. Chiefs running back Joe Delaney lost his life, saving the lives of 
a couple of boys that were drowning in a, if I remember correctly, it was a lake. Joe Delaney at the time was a star running back in the NFL. And I know I say the name Joe Delaney now, and there are a lot of people out there that go, who? Everybody knew who Joe Delaney, Joe Delaney was when he was running back for the Chiefs. And he didn't know how to swim and yet dove into that lake to save those boys' lives. And he saved all of their lives and lost his in the process. And a lot of people have forgotten about the story of Joe Delaney because, one, the NFL wasn't nearly as huge in the 1980s when Joe lost his life. Uh, 1983, gosh, it was that long ago. Um, you know, the NFL wasn't wasn't the, the monstrosity that it was, and only people that were really keyed in and, and, and paid attention to the sport knew who Joe was. But as a Chiefs fan, uh, I imagine that it was heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, in the, in the Kansas City area, I mean, Joe Delaney is still um, – I won't know that he's George Brett level or Len Dawson, but he's he's at that level. Um only played a couple years in the NFL. It was a second-round draft pick for the Chiefs. His rookie year in 81 rush for 1,100 yards, won rookie of the year. By the way, that's um, when running for 1,100 yards was hard. Yes. Um, yeah, every defense was a 5-2 set up to, to shut you down. Yep. A couple linebackers. Uh, and uh, he, he, he set the club record at the time um, for uh, yards per game. Um, he was a pro bowler. Um, everything was uh, re- really good player, and then to your point, Rob, um, and he basically it was on June twenty ninth, nineteen eighty three. He was um, at his, his home area. It was in Monroe, Louisiana. So it was thirty six years ago today. Yeah, um, he tried to rescue three different children who were um, drowning in a pond, and he dove in. Really didn't know how to swim, but thought maybe he could get them out and just use his athleticism yeah, to try. Yeah, and, didn't know how yeah. deep it was, didn't know anything, just kind of jumped in and uh and of course he 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 didn't make it. He uh and it's it's a, it, there's uh, ESPN has a uh, a little 30 for 30 short on Joe Delaney out there and if uh, it's a great it's a great story to watch and uh you know, we miss you Joe. That'll do it for the locker room news radio 610 KONA. Dust Devil baseball tonight. Richland Regatta going on this weekend. Around the house with Eric G. Coming up next.